Welcome back to Fig and Farm at Home. I am always glad you're here. And today, guess what? You don't need any notebook. You don't need any pens. You don't really need anything to write anything down with, but I do want you to get cozy and I want you to really listen in and understand when I say that design is teachable. Becoming a student of design is absolutely something that you can learn because I'm going to share how I learned it. I'm going to share with you what it was like 10, 11 years ago when we moved homes from Iowa to Washington, when I was starting my to set up this new space, super excited about all of the room in comparison to my Iowa home, how that home looks nothing like it does today, and my revelation in figuring that out, finally figuring that out. <laughs> Design is teachable, friends. It is absolutely positively teachable. It is something that you can learn. And we're going to talk about the whole gamut of emotions, that the whole gamut of things that can keep you stuck or the things that can frustrate you along the journey, things that might keep you in inaction. We are going to go there and we're going to go there all in the form of a house tour, my house tour, my, my circa 20, what year is that? 2012 house tour. All right, friends, get cozy, grab a cup of tea, and I'll meet you back here in a minute. Enjoy today's show. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is, but our culture has shifted and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget, and I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank, and I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Friends, when I mentioned to you that design is teachable, what I mean to tell you is you can learn how to do it. You can learn how to do it well enough so that you can create a home that you love coming home to, a home that is cozy and warm and comfortable, a home that is whatever feeling you want it to be. If you want that feeling to feel playful, if you want it to feel inspiring, if you want it to feel somber, heck, you can have a somber home. (laughs) Whatever you want that home to feel like, whatever you want that home to look like, it is teachable. You can learn how to do it. And today we're talking about the journey that I took in learning on my own. Because you've heard me say, my formal training is not in interior decorating, interior design. I don't even think there's an interior decorating school. It's in interior design. And the thing that I realized over about about two years ago, maybe three, I don't know, four, I don't know. It was a while ago. I, I realized, it, I came to this really epiphany moment of, I don't know why I know what I know. I just don't. I never went to art school. I never went to, I never had any kind of formal design training. I went to school to teach teeny tiny kiddos how to read. I went to school to teach 
kiddos how to behave in classrooms. <laughs> I went to school to learn how to follow and, and implement lesson plans so that I could um, teach to the standards. Yes, we had to do that. I went to school to learn all of that. And I have to say, at one point in my career as a teacher, I could proudly say I was really good at that job. But that job wasn't necessarily what my life at home dictated. You've heard that story. If you've heard it once, you've heard it a thousand times that I stayed home so that I could be home with my babies. It made no sense to me to have to leave my my kiddo, my baby with someone else so that I could go be with 20 other babies. It didn't make any sense. Now, if I lived closer to home, if I had a grandma to help, if I had an auntie to help, even if I had the support surrounding me like that of family, maybe I would have made a different choice, but I didn't. But what that meant for Greg and I and Owen at the time was a lot of skimping, a lot of saving, a lot of goodwill shopping, a lot of hand-me-downs, a lot of how much money do we have this week to pay the grocery bill, pay the light bill, pay the whatever bill. It was extremely tight. And when I say it was extremely tight, I am not kidding. There was very little room for excess. There was very little room for me to buy a brand new pair of shoes. Even a $25 pair of shoes, there was little excess. And and there's no shame in that. It's something that we we weathered very well. And it was a choice that I made in a way that I knew was serving my family so that I could stay home with Owen. And then, of course, the other boys when they came along. I'm super thankful I did that. But the thing that made me a student of design was just being observant. At first, I had no clue. I had no clue. My Iowa home was painted really vibrantly. It was a 1950s cottage home, and there was some some textured wallpaper in my living room, the dining room. We painted, but it was it was a hunter green, and we painted it kind of a deep bluey, almost purple. There was wood everywhere, wood flooring, wood banisters, wood casings, all of that. We had a bright, kind of a deep red barn sunroom with lots of bright lights and then a, a painted sky, literally painted sky <laughs> on the ceiling. We had two colors of bedrooms. We had purple. We had lime green. We painted something funky in Owen's nursery. It was kind of um, big, bold squares, which was kind of fun. And then downstairs, like we were graced with a blue carpet. <laughs> blue. We had blue carpet. And the walls were white. These are the walls I striped. If you remember that story, I striped those walls as a way to just stop being bored looking at the white walls. I didn't, I had no clue what I was doing. I had absolutely no clue. I took a risk. I took a risk. I was brave. And I said, what is the worst that can happen? By the way, Owen's sleeping. So I, there's nap time. You know what? Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> that literally was the process. What do I have in the garage? There, there was no decision making. It was really, what do I have in the garage? How much time do I have? What can I do with that little amount of paint? Can I have something new to look at? Those really were the five things I was thinking. I wasn't thinking, how do I make this cohesive? I wasn't thinking, does that color of paint go with the blue color of the floor? I wasn't thinking, 
I wasn't thinking. I just wasn't. I was thinking in the moment and making a decision based off what I had and knowing that I am ready for a change. I'm ready. When Owen was getting a little bit bigger, we had a really big, long downstairs room. And that was our family room where we had our TV. It was where I had my desk space because at the time I was running a baby boutique, an online store through Etsy. And then that was kind of the middle separating the living room, living space from the play area. And that play area I decided to paint. So this now is one long room. I decided to paint like a, a Granny Smith green and with the chalkboard wall. Super fun. Again, with the blue carpet. <laughs> Again, this is one of those things where these are the foundations of the choices I'm making. I'm thinking, oh, this is a fun color. This is a fun color for Owen. It's playful. It's not drab. He's a kid. I want it to be exciting for him and vibrant. There was no deliberate decision making. There was no looking on Pinterest. Pinterest was barely a thing back then. There was no HGTV show. HGTV was not a thing back then. There was no let's find the fancy magazine because guess what? If there was, I could not afford it. There was no let me browse for hours on online because that even though of course we could do that, it just wasn't like it is today. All of these ideas and decisions came from my own thinking, my own, I think this will work. I'm going to take a risk. Oh, oh, look at that. <laughs> wow. I kind of like that. That's how those decisions were made. And then we moved house. We moved from Iowa to Washington. And in that move, I got really excited about making new changes here. And the choices I made in order to set up our home, some were mimicked by what we had going on in Iowa. We had striped walls. Guess what? I striped the nursery. We had that Granny Smith green in the play area. Guess what? That was the color of the bathroom. There was no deliberate choice other than I like that color. I like that thing. And then once you kind of started thinking, oh, that's the color of the wall was blue. Let's make a choice that kind of goes with blue for a pillow. I guess what my point is here is that you can start where you are and where you are is not where you're going to end up after you learn the design process. You can start where you are and you can learn five things and grow tremendously. Or you can start where you are and just keep on making those same decisions. I knew when I moved here, let me paint this picture. I painted the picture of the Iowa house, but let me paint this picture. When you walk into our home, we had that big extra living room. It was a formal living room, not necessary, but but we had it. Vaulted ceilings in that area, and I decided to paint that wall a deep blue. Again, that was kind of mimicked from our dining room back in Iowa. The rest of the, the room was a light gray, and I did choose that color, that light gray, to kind of flow down the hallway. And then you move into the dining room. I don't even remember what color that was. We just left it be, I think. And then you moved into the kitchen. The kitchen had maple cabinets and some faux brick backsplash. And then you moved into the little, what was an Eden kitchen. And we painted that, that adjoined with the living room, kind of a brownie, mossy, greeny. I mean, it presented more brown than green. <laughs> and the hallway that led right, and I'm laughing because as I'm saying this out loud, I'm kind of embarrassed at the design choices I was making because they're not great. <laughs> 
But I, again, this is all in illustration to let you know that when you're decorating your home, you can learn to overcome those boundaries that you think you can't overcome. So here's what happened. One hallway was gray leading from that blue room into the, the brownie, mossy, greeny room. And then the other hallway <laughs> was purple. <laughs> was purple. And then you go up the stairs and I want <laughs> oh, dear. I wanted kind of a beachy look and the beachy look that I had was I, I wanted to be a little warm. And so I chose yellow, but unbeknownst to me, I had no clue what undertones were and it had kind of a, a green undertone that really showed up against the camel colored carpet. So basically <laughs> it looked like I painted boogers on the wall. <laughs> it, it just, you guys, not cute. Okay. Not cute. Okay, so how did I go from that to understanding and realizing and accepting that these choices, though maybe I would have kept, you know, just one or maybe another or just two, but altogether was too much. Altogether was not creating a cohesive space and was not someplace where I really liked looking at. I didn't like, I didn't feel at home there. It felt like something was just off. It felt like something was amiss. And what happened in order to finally open my eyes to how design became uh, not only teachable, but, but really learnable. We're going to talk about that. These four things that I'm about to share with you were things that I realized I was doing after the fact of doing them. This was one of those things where once I thought, I don't know why I know what I know, that I was able to go backwards and really understand what it is I did in order to overcome the boogery colored wall <laughs> and the camel colored carpet. And all while being on a budget, because even though we moved houses and we were able to afford a gallon of paint and several as it sounds, we were still on a budget. We were still living on a one income budget. And although our financial situation increased and improved, it was still very much, let's do it ourselves. Let's not hire out for anything. We need to learn it all. And let's try to figure this out on our own. So these four things I'm about to tell you were things that I realized that that this is what I paid attention to. And this is how design became something I was able to grasp, something I was able to understand, and something I was able to translate into my own home. So I hope that you do pay attention to these and take note so that you can do it in your own home, in your own space. The first thing was, is that I started paying attention to the feeling in the room. When I would walk into a space and I started being cognizant of how I felt in that space, my eyes started opening just a little bit. One day, I don't even know what I was doing as I was standing on the stairs leading up the boogery colored wall stairway, my eyes were opened and I knew that something wasn't quite right. I knew that I didn't quite feel like, oh, I, eh. that is really my reaction to that space. It didn't feel right and I didn't know what it was. And one day it dawned on me as I was thinking literally sitting on the steps, waiting for one of the babies to toddle up the steps. I was looking at the wall color, looking at the floor color and thinking, oh, these colors don't go together. <laughs> so paying attention to that feeling is going to be incredibly helpful as you 
start to think about what changes you could be making. The same thing happened with the purple hallway. As I was walking down the the gray hallway into the brownie mossy room, and the brownie mossy room, it sounds terrible. It sounds as bad as the boogery colored wall, but it was actually very enveloping. It felt kind of warm and cozy, especially with the diffused light. But then I was sitting there one day feeling like, huh, when I look this way, when I'm sitting at this chair, looking at this angle, I kind of like this color. It feels very cozy. It feels rich. It feels like I'm enveloped in this space. But one day, the same time of day, I was sitting in the opposite view where I could see, be in that same space, but I could see outward and I could see the purple wall. And I started thinking again, that feeling of, huh, it doesn't feel quite right. Something doesn't, it feels a little bit off. That feeling is something I paid attention to. It didn't change over time, but that feeling was something that allowed that mustard seed to start growing. And one day I realized this is the problem. This is the problem right here. It's the purple wall. I need to change that. It's not necessarily flowing well. And I didn't even have the word flowing in the vocabulary at that point. It just didn't go. But sometimes the feeling is more than just a realization of, huh, something feels off. Sometimes that feeling is, I hate being in the room. I can't stand this room. This room makes me want to scream. This room makes me want to go in and shut the door. This room makes me want to throw everything up, throw everything away. This room makes me want to, where's the dynamite? (laughs) Can I just throw the dynamite in there and let it all be? Sometimes that feeling can be a visceral feeling. And I often relate that to the stuff in your space. And that's definitely true, especially if you have visual chaos, um, aka clutter. If you have that, that can elicit that visceral feeling. But sometimes you might get that same feeling. And the realization isn't that you have too much stuff, but it's maybe you have the wrong stuff. Maybe you have the realization of your furniture is too big for the space, or you have too much furniture, or you realize that the furniture you have is all kinds of colors, or whatever that that feeling is, but you can have a sometimes visceral feeling to the physical thing. And so I encourage you to pay attention to that. You've heard me say that my visceral feeling is pretty much any time our house has thrown up on itself, right? Anytime we have just too much stuff. And a lot of times it's not clutter. It's just that we need to put it away. And that's fine. I can, my brain can process that it is just the stuff we need to put away versus I have too much stuff and it is spilling into every space, every orifice. It is spilling over into places it shouldn't belong. But there have been times when I've walked into a space and I felt super uninspired. I felt really blah. I felt like I would not want to invite my friend over here. And if that's your feeling too, pay attention to that and ask yourself why. Why wouldn't you want to invite your friend over? Is it the friend? That's a conversation for another time, but what is it about that space? And pay attention to it because that feeling can really lead you into action in a way that might help you to understand what it is that is kind of off and what it is that is triggering that feeling. For me in the front room, in that formal living room, it was the blue wall. Once I realized, you know what, this blue, we had a white couch, this blue, this feels, it 
feels super cold in here. And the coldness was emanating from the blue wall. And I wanted it to be a warm and cozy space, but I could feel the coolness in it. Pay attention. Okay, the second thing that I, I did was I started to take observations. I started to observe absolutely everything. And now this is way easier for us to do today than it was for me to do in 2011. It just is so much easier. We have the world literally at our fingertips. You get on Pinterest and you can observe all these beautiful pictures. You get on Instagram and you can observe all these beautiful pictures. You get on you turn on HGTV and you can observe all these beautiful spaces. And that's okay. What I do want to encourage you to do is observe and not act yet because there is so much power in the observation. And this is really where I started learning the design, the elements of design, the process of design is through observation. I literally put on the lens of a student. I didn't know I was doing it. Remember, these are things that I came to the realization of after the fact but I started paying attention when those magazines would arrive in the mail. I started paying attention to rooms I liked and didn't like. And that's a pretty easy thing for us to do. You might have already a response to those. I like this room. I don't like this room. If you're in my Facebook community, sometimes I post a picture of just, what do you think? Give one word that describes what this room feels like, what this room looks like, one word. And of course, it's going to be different. There's a thousand people in that group. It's going to be different to every single person. But The power of observation is so important. But then when you start thinking about why it is you like that room or why it is you don't like that room, that's just as important. That's where you start taking it one level deeper. And it's like removing a layer of, of onions, right? Removing that layer. I know that I like it. Okay, but what do I like about it? I know that I don't like it, but what don't I like about it? And naming those things. So I challenge even my students in the community, I challenge them to think about what it is they do like and what it is they don't like. And if they can name them, that is really critical. It's a first step. And then as you continue to do that, and you continue to do that over different platforms, Pinterest and Instagram and HGTV, sometimes you start thinking about, well, what would I do in that situation? What kind of choices would I make? How could I make that one picture that I said I liked but I don't like everything, but I like it, what would I do to change it? What would I do to make it different? And you start just thinking about it. And this is nothing formal. I'm not taking notes and I don't encourage you necessarily to take notes, but you're just paying attention. The third thing I did on my journey to overcome the boogery wall (laughs) was to start taking risks. Of course, anytime you paint a surface, you are taking a risk, right? And if you are super comfortable with painting, what is the next risk you can take? Could it be wallpapering a small section of maybe the back of the bookshelf? Could it be painting the inside, the interior of a door? Could it be taking a paint class and painting that vanity that you can't stand in the room that you felt like crud in? (laughs) What is it that you can take that risk on? remembering to ask that question of what really is the worst that can happen? I make a mistake. Okay. Yeah, I could make a mistake. How costly is that mistake? And once you start understanding how costly a mistake is, and you really start thinking about, well, is it going to be thousands of dollars or like $50 to fix the mistake? 
Or is it even going to be free to fix the mistake, but it's just going to be a little work? Once you start weighing and tipping the scale of how costly the mistake is if you take a risk on something, and you start understanding that actually the cost isn't too much, you are more prone or more inclined, I should say, to make a risk. A few years ago, right before we were all locked down for a long time, I decided to paint my front door. I took a risk on that and I'm so incredibly glad I did. I absolutely love my black door. And as I look back on pictures of the door as it was white and standard white, that's what it came with, it's so boring to me. And not to say that you need to paint your door, and if your door is white, I wouldn't necessarily say it's boring, but in my home, my white door was very boring. But my black door, that's super fun. It's playful even though it's black. It's eye-catching, it's different, and it was a risk that I am so glad I took because it paid off. But as I'm taking that risk compared to the risk in my Iowa home where I grabbed the paint and I thought, oh, let's stripe it, what can I do? This risk in the black door was calculated. In the Iowa home, striping that wall, I didn't ask myself the question, what's the worst that can happen? I just wanted to change and so I just did it quick and I just did it while Owen was napping. In this time, painting the door, it was very calculated. I was looking around first to think what color would would make Um, sense here because what other things do I have going on? I learned the idea that repetition is is key to design so that's really important. I learned too that or I, I thought too that if I were to paint it I need to make sure I have the right paint. I wasn't just gonna go grab whatever I had left in the in the garage at for this one. And and then of course I asked myself that question what what is the worst that can happen? How long is it gonna take me to repaint it if I don't like it? And am I willing to do that? And the answer was not very long. It's not going to cost a whole lot to buy a little bit of paint to repaint it. And it's not, it's not a big deal. I can do it. Making sure that you're making calculated decisions as you are taking those risks is important. Make sure you ask a few questions beforehand before you take that risk. And then look back and see if you were happy with the risk that you took. Because risk taking is confidence building. And as you take more and more risks, you become more and more confident as you take more and more risks and you decide, actually, this was actually, it was, this was a good choice. This actually made my home feel a little bit more in alignment with what I want it to feel. It makes it look a little bit more cohesive in a way that I'm hoping that it will look. It's making it feel a little bit more put together. Those things are all confidence boosting. So keep that in mind. And then take the next risk. And the fourth thing is, is it's okay to ask for help. And no matter who that help is that you're asking it from, if it's your best friend who always has the cutest looking living room, no matter what the season, ask her. She's a wealth of knowledge. And even if she doesn't necessarily know why she knows what she knows, you asking questions might elicit a response that she wasn't sure that she even could answer before you asked it. It's something that can spark a conversation and really ponder those ideas of, I don't know, why did I paint that color yellow and why does it work here? Asking is going to be um, a door to enlightenment, quite honestly. When you ask for help, whether it's that person or you're following someone on Instagram and you love what they do all over, pop into their DMs and ask them, what's the worst that can happen? They don't respond. That's the worst that can happen. 
if the risk that you're wanting to take is a little bit outside of your wheelhouse, ask for help. Just because it's a little bit outside of your wheelhouse doesn't mean that it's something that is not attainable. Is there someone that you're able to ask help from that maybe you can return the favor? Is it something that in the case of my husband, he really wanted to learn how to woodwork, but he didn't really have a reason to woodwork until I started giving him design ideas. And then guess what? He needed to buy a new tool. (laughs) And that became a standing joke as well as a full garage of new tools because new project. Asking for help can come in the form of reaching out to the ones that you know and reaching out to the ones that you trust. And friends, here's where I want to say, if you have learned one thing from my podcast, would you make sure that you leave a review? Because if you have learned one thing, guess what? Susie down the street is going to learn something too, or Rhonda across town, or grandma in the other state, or a friend you haven't met yet in another country, they're going to want to learn too. Leaving a review is the easiest way for my show to be seen for other people to find. And if you're learning something, chances are someone else is too. So would you do me a favor and would you stop right now and would you go over to Apple Podcast and leave a review and press the five star? That would be awesome. And if you're ready to learn, if you're ready to learn beyond the HDTV show, and if you're ready to learn beyond the Pinterest picture or the Instagram scrolling, if you're ready to take a leap and you're ready to be really deliberate so that you can learn the steps of the design process, so that you can learn how it is you can create a cohesive color palette, how you can create a vision board that allows you to see the product that you're placing together, if you're ready to learn how you can create a project map that allows you to know what to spend and when to spend it on, I encourage you to make sure you're on my newsletter. Wink, wink, hint, hint. Tomorrow is the day I'm releasing Black Friday specials. And this is going to be something that you are not going to want to miss. If you have been hanging out for a while thinking, I think I want to reach out think I'm ready to take a risk. I think I'm ready to learn a little bit more. I think I'm ready to go deeper. Now is the time. You get the sneak peek tomorrow. You get the sneak peek on Friday. Will I spill the beans next week on the podcast? Yep, absolutely. Make sure you press subscribe and you can find it there too. Also, it'll be in the Facebook group. So it is going to be popping over all the places. So make sure that you are on my newsletter, make sure that you are pressing subscribe, that you're in the community, because one of them is a spots fill fast and you might not want to miss it. So have I encouraged you enough yet? Make sure you're on my newsletter. (laughs) So three, two, one, go. I'll see you in my newsletter tomorrow and I'll see you back here on Tuesday. Have a great weekend and bye for now. Hey, real quick before you go. If you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.